Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Business in Heels podcast, the podcast that inspires and educates women in business globally to succeed. Now, over to your host, Anne Marie Cross. Hi, and welcome to episode four of Business in Heels podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. With more than 92% of Australians actively online, over 70% of which are on the go on their mobiles and 10.9 million of which have transacted online, it's important to understand the importance of being present at the forefront and optimised to cater to the masses. Now, stepping up to the microphone today is Marae Saloum. Marae is a serial entrepreneur. She's a connector, a disruptor and a life enthusiast. And people are her passion and her purpose. She became self-employed at the mere age of 22 and ran her first company for eight years. She's currently working on three passion projects, including Conversion Cafe, a boutique CRO agency, bettering online user experience, while helping online businesses generate higher revenue. Examine Property, working with financial planners to assist select suitable clients on research property investment, and of course, Business in Heels, running the Sydney CBD and Eastern Suburbs branches. She's also about to add mentorship to the mix. Now on today's show, Marae is going to be sharing research-backed tips and tricks on improving our conversions on the websites, seven customer service focus points that we should be shifting online, as well as key technologies every single business online should be using. Can't wait to hear more. So welcome to the show, Marae. Thank you. Thank you for having me. One of the things that I wanted to share before we dived into um, some of the key things you're sharing today, your passion for people. How did you get your love of people? To be honest, it it purely dates back to my family um, Mm. and my family background. So I come from a family of, I'm one of five, and my parents are just, you know, the most loving, supportive people. um, And they've backed and inspired just about every rogue idea I've ever come across. Um, They they even joined me on, you know, the self-employment wagon when they were really quite risk averse for the longest time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've got six nephews and nieces. they, They mean the world to me and I've just always I guess been drawn to people just just growing up in a really beautiful like loving supportive environment I guess yeah it's very important isn't it when we embark on entrepreneurship and running our own business that we do have the support of those closest to us because it really can impact positively and of course negatively if we don't get the support so how wonderful that they were so supportive 
Yeah, they're very, very beautiful. And you know what? When you're building your own business, there's a lot of resilience that you need to have. And mm. if you're not surrounded by the right kind of cheesecloth, it's so easy to fail. You know, oh, uh, it's so easy to just give up on your goal. Yes, yes. By the way, I was just interested. You've got other siblings. Did any of them enter into business? Are you the only entrepreneur in the family? We started off, it used to just be me. Um, and now, so I've got two sisters. Both of my sisters are now entrepreneurs. Both of my sisters' uh, partners are entrepreneurs. My father is now an entrepreneur wow. and we just started mum's business a couple of months ago. There so she's still go. working in the full-time space, but yeah. we're all now technically self-employed. Isn't that incredible? So you really yeah. empowered them too to get into their uh, own business. Yeah, empowered is one one way of doing it. Some of it was not out of choice. Mm. Um, some of it was reactive. Yes. Uh, you know, my father was a, a printer by trade and coming into his 60s obviously was lacking opportunity there and was very down about the concept of not being able to find work or be young enough, you know, to get back into the physical side of the trade, you know, and I was just saying to him, dad, there's so many options and we built him a little business. that's quite easy to run into semi-retirement. Oh. And, you know, he's been doing that for four years now and he was probably the most risk averse person yes. I have ever met. Oh, so it's purely wonderful. an option, you know, mm. an option for another life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, isn't that wonderful that you could then go and support your dad? And I no doubt you're supporting your mum and, and your sisters as well. And of course, now you're here to share with us some of the insights and wisdom that you've learned along the way. And of course, helping your clients too. So you talk about research back tips and tricks that we need to know about so that we can improve conversions on our website. This is something so many business owners struggle with, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's become such a massive part of the digital industry. And initially what was happening is as businesses were getting online, their focus was always how do I get noticed online, mm -hmm. you know, and online marketing, inbound marketing, um, getting people to the front door of their website. And I, I like to, I, I guess, speak about it in the physical sense that picture your website like your office or your shop front, like the focus has always been getting people to your door. But now the shift is happening in, in the industry, which, you know, we've kind of been on top of for the last three, four years, mm -hmm. where now that you've got them to your door, what's happening inside, what's happening in your shop, what's happening in your office, or what's happening on the actual physical space of your website to engage those people. And people relate to it very easily in the physical retail space, for example, where they spend thousands and thousands of dollars training their staff in expert customer service. They spend, you know, hundreds of thousands on beautiful fit outs to encourage people to, you know, engage in their store and in their brand and product. But that culture seems to be lost online. It seems to be like, I just want to get them to the door and I'll have whatever website up and running. Yes. Um, but nobody's really... I guess, spending the time to, to move that same level of customer service you have offline to that physical online space, yes. if that makes sense. So that's why mm. we kind of delved into it. You know, after I ran a digital media company for eight years and we were all based on user experience design, mm -hmm. but it was only towards the end of that company that the focus became about how do we learn from what our users are currently doing online and how do we then... I guess, steer the, the online experience so that they're getting what they're looking for yes. and they're getting their problems solved and can find whatever they need to find to either transact or get the information they need. Mm -hmm. So it's about bringing that, you know, real life customer service online. 
quite simple, isn't it? <laughs> well, it, it does. It sounds really simple. And we can see that when someone is on our website, they are interacting with us, with our brand message. And there's obviously some really key things that we need to have in place uh, to enable that experience, that user experience to be optimised so people want to stay on the site. I'm sure we've all clicked through to some sites that we've gone, oh my goodness, get me out of here. And it's almost like walking into a store and then feeling just horrible. And exactly. you know, there's, the layout's not been thought about properly and you just want to get out of there. Now, are the seven customer focus points what is going to be crucial for us? That it, Does that also help in improving our conversions? Or are there some other things that we need to think about before we even get into those seven customer focus points? There's other things to think about. There's some real basic techniques that, you know, have been proven to work across industries and across different types of website. And mm -hmm. one of them is trust. Yes. Um, so I'll go into very quickly the what I call the, the wishy-washy part. But first of all, it's, it's to understand your brand, yeah. be very clear about your values and very clear about who you are and what you want to do, what problem that you solve for them. So that, I guess, takes place in your physical branding. Um, you know, do they have a clear idea of what your mission is? Is that easy to communicate on your website? Mm -hmm. um, and then what is your product and how does it solve their problem? Whereas you'll find a lot of people focus so much on the product and it's got this many gigabytes or it's this mm -hmm. size and this color yes. rather than saying it's here to make you more confident or to make your life easier or, you know, like you want to answer the actual problem the clients come seeking a solution solution for, mm -hmm. you know. So one of those is being very clear about who you are, what your brand is and what problem you solve. The second is trust and trust takes a few different shapes online. Some of them are quite superficial. But for example, they, they want to be able to firstly know that they can reach you. And one of the big mistakes a lot of online businesses make is they think, look, I'm just going to run this online. They can contact me by email. I, I don't really want people calling me. Mm. Um, but what that does is it makes the customer feel like you don't technically exist. You're not a real entity and I can't put my hands on you if something goes wrong. So one of the biggest things we've found actually increases trust is, is having your phone number there. They might not use it. It's it's not about, you know, they're going to sit there and call you 24-7. But if you have a phone number there, it reinforces to the client that these guys aren't afraid to take my call if something goes wrong. Yes. Therefore, I trust them. You'll find a lot of businesses avoid it. And I understand the reasoning. You know, I might be a mum and, you know, I'm running this online retail store around my kids and I don't want to receive those calls 24-7. But if it's at the detriment of your business, then it's something you want to consider, you know, in that user experience. And it still might not impact your day to day. You know, you might still be able to get a voicemail message and say, you know, we'll be contacting you back in the next hour. Yes. Or it might be a live chat that you can collect on the go. But just the customer just knowing that you're there if they need you in itself reaffirms your your position of trust. Yeah, yeah. Something else, Moraine, and, and speak a little bit about this because this may very well be a key area within that trust element too. Sometimes I've gone to a website and I've clicked on the About Us to find out a little bit more about the people running the business. And it was very, uh, you know, almost a couple of paragraphs, not really mentioning any names and who they were, just we this, we that, no images, nothing like that. And so it really didn't enable me to, to find out more about who are these people. I love the, the front page. Now I want to know a little bit more about who will I actually be dealing with, particularly more for service-based businesses. Yeah, of course. So you, you probably want to have an understanding 
about their expertise, mm-hmm. but more so you want to know why their expertise is relative to you. Yeah. Um, so exactly right. The messaging around about us is usually always like me, this, me, that. It, it's not always about just you as a company, you know, it, it's also what you're going to do for this person. And definitely, I definitely agree that they should be putting up their experience and validating why a customer should be working with you. That part is fine. Mm. Uh, But you also want to be telling them what problem you're going to solve for them, you know. So, like, I might have 12 years of experience in this industry, but I'm here to help you better your sales. Or, you know, I want to use my 12 years of experience to help your environment become so-and-so. You know what I mean? So, Mm. it's not all about the technical side and part of it is aspirational marketing you've probably heard so many things about in the past the likes of apple and intel competing against each other on what was initially a technical level you know um, Mm -hmm. my computer is faster this computer has 20 times the speed blah 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 but in the end, what they found really solved was the problem that they solved. Intel became about reliability and that you can bank on us. Apple became about an aspiration that you're living yes. outside of uh, just the technical norm. You're innovating and, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're part of a, a revolution, you know. So it's a, a little bit in the messaging. Yes. Um, it needs to cater to the problem that you solve and making people feel like they're part of something bigger. Oh, absolutely. Great example too to, that you've just shared. So we're thinking then about the trust. Are there any other key elements that we need to be aware of? One of the biggest things, and this is probably specifically with online retailers, you need to have certain logos and you know visuals that customers have come to attribute with trust. So mm. some of those might be firstly like having an SSL certificate on your site, which shows that you know there's a lock on your site, they feel secure, like my data is protected. You know, it might be that if you're part of a you know a Google store or if you're a Google trusted supplier, those have become like names that are considered a, a high authority for trust so you know being able to use some of that to leverage your own trust is quite a positive thing for Mm -hmm. these brands sometimes if you're a a partner of an association for example in a service-based situation showing that you're a partner of for example like we work with a lot of financial planners and when they say you know I'm a financial planner and I'm associated with the financial planning association of Australia you know that seems to have you know a brand an alternative brands leverage for your own company Mm -hmm. Um, so you want to tap into the trust of other associations or industry experts that might leverage your own brand. Those are all great uh, and things that we sometimes take for granted. Yet, as you're explaining them, it, I can I'm just imagining myself going to a website and then checking these, and it is it's just little ticks of confirmation that yes, this person is a real person. They're not a fraud. Uh, because otherwise, why would they be a member of an association that obviously puts their members through various criteria to ensure that they continue to deliver, you know, excellence as described by that association? Yeah, exactly. And so you infer, you infer that same level of trust. And it yeah. might be in the tiniest graphic, you know, but you just see that and you go, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are okay. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> Look at some other ways they do it. They do mm-hmm. it with testimonials as well. So sometimes it's, you know, validation by other clients um, that they did this for me. I'm a real person. I, I gave them the tick of approval so you can trust them too, mm. you know. So whether it's testimonials, case studies, you know, a lot of these are 
service-based reviews, you know, for product-based. They're just like little bits of, I guess, warmth for the customer to say, okay, I'm not going to be done over here. You know, I feel quite safe. Yeah. Also, too, if if some uh, organisations or companies have won awards, that can also be something that validates a level of expertise because obviously they've had a certain criteria that has been best of class uh, in their category. So that always helps too, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. Whatever you can use to leverage that trust or inferred trust um, will all help. In the end, look, you need to supply the service and the product that you've promised. That's always going to be the bread and butter of Mm -hmm. your brand and it's always going to be what brings brand ambassadorship and gets people to refer. So you do need, you know, the quality product or the quality service in the end, that's always going to drive your business. But to be able to get people to entrust you with even trialing your quality product or service, you kind of have to do these little teaching them that you're trustworthy. You know, mm. yeah, you have to do it through your website. You have to do it even on your offline marketing collateral. This isn't, you know, purely dedicated to your website, but, you know, we can measure it on your website. We can oh, yes. measure that if you don't have this versus if you do have this, the difference in your transaction capability, you know? Yeah, yeah. Something else that happened to me not so long ago, I mean, as you can imagine, running a number of different podcasts, we often get uh, people who would like to come on some of the shows and they'll send a bit of information and I'll offer and have a look either at their website or we'll go to their LinkedIn profile. Now, whatever profile you have online, everything is creating a digital footprint and adding to your credibility or unfortunately in some instances, it's uh, taking away you know, from exactly. your credibility. So if you've got sparse LinkedIn and if you've got half of it done and you know, all of that can really uh, unfortunately limit people's decision. You know what? This person is, is who he or she, and in this case, she says uh, that she is is anything else or can we diving in i'm dying to know what are these seven customer service focus points that we should be shifting online yeah look i mean i could go on all day about some of these trends um i want to get into the the customer service Mm. points because they they do dabble into a few of the points that i would have mentioned anyway the way i kind of package these seven points it's very similar to what's happening offline. Um, But what I'll do is I'll name it in the way that you know about it offline and then we'll compare it to a situation that happens online. So, for example, helpful staff. When you go into a store, if there's somebody that, you know, is terrible at customer service or not really listening to your needs or, you know, there's nobody there to talk to in the first place, are you going to have a great customer service experience or are you going to be like this place Hmm. really like, you know, so helpful staff is one of the biggest things I find brings the humanity back to online. Now, that might take a few different forms. What I find is companies that have live chat really do generate a higher level of trust, but also engage with their customer. Like, are you having trouble finding what you're looking for? I'm here to help. And it might just be a quick tool tip that minimizes, you know, as soon as that customer's transacting or dismisses it. But in the customer's mind, they're like, okay, I've got somewhere to go if I do need assistance. Mm. So things like live chats really do work. The other thing is what happens with you know, your offline communications or still online communications, but pre or post transaction, you know, if somebody subscribes or if somebody signs up to your website, you know, what kind of messaging are you sending them? Uh, Mm. Are you sending them automated messaging that's not really personalized? Or are you actually emailing them going, hi, you know, I'm Moraine, I'm your account manager. Thanks so much for signing up. And I'm here to assist you if you have any, you know, any questions. 
there's so many forms of this, but they're all parts of online customer service. So you, you need to be helpful. Your staff need to still be trained in a similar way to how they would be offline in that they reflect your brand values, um, your communication style and messaging. You know, one big example I use is, um, I'm, I'm not sure if you've ever called through to a Virgin Virgin call centres. They're quite down to earth in their messaging. Mm. Um, and I remember the first credit card I ever signed up with Virgin and they sent me, you know, the terms of conditions, which they wrote on the front, you know, the ugly stuff our lawyer made us send, you know, like, <laughs> and I, I found them hilarious instantly. Like I already felt like, you know, these guys are cool. You yeah. know, I can relate to this brand. They're young. They're a bit funky. And I instantly had a, a good feeling about the brand. That was, I guess, um, backed up when I did have to call them. And their staff answered with very similar, uh, a very similar messaging style. Like instead of going, hi, you've called blah, blah, blah. Thanks yeah. for calling. Like very dry. Mm. It was very still very down to earth. Hey, how are you? You've called John. Thanks so much for calling us today. What can I help you with, Marae? You know, like, and the messaging was very similar. You'll find they do the same in their online chat. The messaging style is very similar. It's united across the whole brand. So I really encourage, you know, that helpful customer service and making sure that even whether they're on live chat whether they're on your call, whether they're emailing, it's all in line with the values and brand proposition that your company has. What's the second customer service focus point? Yeah, awesome. So the second one is basically visual merchandising. And this is more related to retail brands. Just like you would focus on what's happening in the shop front, you need to do the same on your website. So you need to find the right kind of, I guess, imagery or product that's going to drag people in, whether it's in your banners or sliding banners or on key billboard style areas on your website. Visual merchandising is very important to draw people in from your landing page to your product. And all the consistency is very important, just as you were just saying with the helpful customer service, consistency across is just going to continue. So what's the the third? The third customer service focus the point. The third one is point of sale is is massive. Um, when you go into a shop, you've got clear signage that tells you where your checkout is. You've got somebody standing there. Right now, if your checkout is hard to find or if the buttons are tiny or just purely text-based, people are going to struggle to click the buy now or find where their cart is, you know, and, and get themselves through to the end of the transaction. Mm. So point of sale messaging on your website and your checkouts and your buttons being very clear is super important to the transaction. That's key. If we want to buy something, we can't find the buy now button. Uh, we're probably out of yep. there looking at one of our competitors. Great. Love it. What's the fourth? So the fourth is wayfinding. Uh, I relate that physically to you'd have signage, you know, in a shopping centre, you have signage for the bathrooms, you have signage for your change rooms. Mm. You need to have the same level of signage on your website. And I usually relate that to the navigation that's happening on your website. Can people figure out very quickly where to find what they're looking for? Is your navigation clear, concise? You don't have too many signs pointing to too many different things and confusing people. I usually recommend, let's say, your main navigation should have probably no more than five to six buttons or pages that it clicks to, just purely so that you're not clicking people away to too many different pages and overwhelming them with content. Mm -hmm. Um, So you need to have a really clear path of where you want them to go. Um, The other thing that's really powerful is having a very clear sales funnel. 
um, you know, whether they click on the product or if it's a service, they click on the landing page, they find out more about the service, they, you know, click on downloading a free book or an ebook, um, mm-hmm. and then they move through to subscription. And there's a real clear path for getting them to become an active lead. So I call that wayfinding, but in the scape of um, online, you'd call it, you know, your sales funnel and your navigation. Yeah. And that's key, isn't it? Because sometimes we go to a website and there's so many calls to actions and buttons to push and flash things that it's overwhelming and one of the one saying I heard many many years ago was when we're overwhelmed we do nothing and in this case we'll often click off the site won't we exactly it's the biggest cause of drop-offs on your website so it's really important to be very clean where you want people to go um, and make sure that where they're going is where they want to end up you yeah. know uh, you really have to understand who your audience is and what kind of personas you're dealing with and what are the different things they might be looking for. You know, you've got to put yourself in their shoes, have a real clear sort of persona messaging and and lead the different types of people down the type of road they'd need to go down. Oh, love this, love this. What's number five? So number five, I've got re-engagement. Um, so once you do transact with somebody or even if they don't transact and they drop off your website for whatever reason, you need to have elements that are either bringing them back Um, Some people do this with retargeting style advertising. Mm. Um, Some of them do it with uh, online notifications. So now your browser can actually notify you, you know, if there's a sale come up for something that you were looking at previously. You might send an email to somebody that subscribed or if somebody, let's say, put clothes in their shopping cart and then decided not to buy for whatever reason, you need to have some sort of abandoned cart messaging that's getting them to re-engage, whether that be a coupon code, you know, if they buy it today, um, they get an extra 10% off or whatever it is. So you're really, your aim is to get them back to your site if they did leave Mm. um, and make sure they do re-engage with the product. Yes. That's where sometimes you'll click on a site and then all of a sudden they're following you around everywhere. And that's because there's a a pixel or so isn't there the code that they're using and it's really the things that we can leverage now in technology is just incredible so um, I'm so glad you're sharing this because for for many people who don't not aware of this uh, these are the reasons why customers or potential customers are just not clicking through to the site because many other businesses now are incorporating these key uh, focus points on their websites aren't they That's right. So if it works for your competition, you better be on it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So what? Take your market share, otherwise. Exactly. So that's number five, re-engagement. What's number six then? So number six is feedback. And like any sort of form of uh, your physical advertising or any like product that you send out, you need to be understanding what your customer thinks of your product, of your service, of your website, of your office, you know, like exactly what you would do in your physical space. Mm-hmm. You want to do the same thing online. So whether that be getting them to fill out surveys or having a feedback option on your website um, where they can come in and give you, uh, you know, an honest opinion about how you're going, people have the choice to do that or not do that but those that do choose to give you feedback I I would really consider what they're saying Mm -hmm. um, and try to I guess problem solve if they're having an issue Um, and that can also include in the reviews of your product you you might want to consider is this something you want to stock if people are finding it low quality um, or if it's not being shown correctly online or the colors are different 
you really want to tap into that feedback to make sure that you're not burning the bridges of future transactions or future clients. Yeah, yeah. And I guess too, especially if you've got products or even services where customers can naturally come back, if they're not naturally coming back, there may be something in the experience or with the product or service that you need to look at. Because if you tweak, if you change slightly, it's going to mean that there's a repeat uh, business there for you. So very important. And what's number seven? So number seven is, I guess, what every brand dreams to have. You know, when you have brand ambassadorship, mm-hmm. you're more likely to get people refer your brand. Uh, and that's the strongest form of marketing because it comes from a trusted source. Yeah. So referral is a massive part of your digital experience, just like it is in your physical experience. Um, and the way you do get referrals is, A, being true to the problems that you solve. Um, is your product holding up? Is your service holding up? Were all those elements strong that we've talked about, your helpful staff, your point of sale messaging, your user experience in general, um, was the product strong, did they get the full works and quality of service and then obviously, you know, if they did and if you managed to check these things off, how do you then prompt them to pass your name on to their friends? How do you incentivize them to let people know whether it's, you know, we'll give you a coupon code offer for each person that you refer or if this person buys, we will then reimburse you something. Um, so you basically want to entice people if they become brand ambassadors to refer and be rewarded. Now, if we're talking about key technologies that every online business should be using, what are they? So there's three pieces of technology I wanted to tell the listeners about today. So one of them is called SimilarWeb. That's SimilarWeb.com. And it's a great tool that we use to do some competitive research and get a bit of insight around um, what our competitors are doing, what kind of marketing is driving leads to their website, how many people visit their website a month. So it gives you a nice understanding about market share and the marketing efforts that your competitors are up to. The second one is a tool called Wigzo. Now, Wigzo is quite a new thing, but it's really amazing for conversion rate optimization. So basically what Wigzo does is it can actually collect permission to market to people through their browser. So whether it's notifications about sales or whether it's, you know, telling them that something that they were looking at is now has a coupon code to encourage them to come back. You know, it can check if they're about to exit the website and prompt with an offer. It can do email personalization. So it's really fantastic. Wow. It's basically designed around bringing people right back to your website. So mm. it's a really cool tool. It's um, wigzo.com. And the last one is called Compete Shark. So it's Compete Shark like the animal, S-H-A-R-K.com. Now, Compete Shark is actually a very shifty tool. We basically use Compete Shark. It's also another form of obviously competitor research. But what it does is it lets you track if your competitors are doing A-B testing. And it also shows you a visual of their website on any given day. So why we use this is because... For example, if I'm looking to hold a sale today, I can actually see if my competitor tries to watch me and outcompete my sale by a certain percentage. Mm-hmm. Or if they're A-B testing, for example, two different product lines, I can monitor exactly what they're doing as far as um, marketing, testing their user interface and any changes to their website since the last time I visited. So it lets you kind of keep on track of what your competitors are keeping on top of, mm. <laughs> if that makes sense. So um, all, all around, they basically aim to give you insight to what's happening in the market share around you 
and improve the conversion rates to your actual website. So three great tools there for you. Marae, we have covered so much incredible information and I'm sure we've only just scratched the surface. How can people get in contact with you to find out more? I have run across so many different platforms. You can get in touch with our business. We've got a website, www.conversioncafe.com.au. I'll explain the cafe one another day to you, Anne-Marie. Um, <laughs> so it's conversioncafe.com.au. Um, you can also contact me on hey at conversioncafe.com.au or obviously on our phone number, which is one three hundred. 223383 and we're happy to help your business um, find out a bit more about what's happening with your customers. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I mean, this was just so valuable. And for those of you who have taken notes, I'm sure you filled up half a notebook already, but please reach out and speak to Marae. She certainly is an expert in her field. Now, thank you for joining us again today. We want to continue the conversation over on the Business and Heels Facebook pages and groups. So go to www.businessandheels.com for further details and go ahead and tell us what's one heart. I'm sure you've had many, but what's the biggest aha that you've taken away from today's show? And also information is great, but look, you need to take action. So what's one action step that you're committing to within the next 24 hours to get into action so that you can continue to grow your network and of course, grow your business. And we can't wait to read your comments and connect with you at one of our upcoming in-person or online networking events. And remember, get clear, walk with confidence as your decision and your destination is closer than you think.